BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stardom Cast. This is a podcast we talk about all things about the fantastic wrestling promotion that is Stardom, and we do it in a positive and what I like to think a fun manner. I am your host, Matt Turner, and folks, as of this recording, we are just a few hours removed from what I truly believe is the show of the year, the finals of this year's five-star Grand Prix. Not only to me was the finals the show of the year in wrestling altogether, but if I had to make a list of the top 10 tournaments in wrestling in the last 30 years, whether it be All Japan, New Japan, Stardom, uh, WWE, WCW, NWA, what have you, this show would definitely make the top 10 list at uh, this tournament. Absolutely unbelievable. So what we're going to do is, and I made mention on the podcast that just dropped, uh, well, just dropped yesterday as of this recording, that I'm going to be doing a, uh, a quick review. This will probably go up again. I'm recording this Saturday, literally 10 a.m. Uh, the Stardom Show got over with a little bit after 6. Uh, I'm going to be recording this. Send it off to the main man, Sean, Sean Montrose. Double thumbs up for all the hard work he's been doing. This should be in your feeds either Sunday or Monday. So, first of all, I mean, we got to give, let's give a standing ovation to our editor-in-chief, Sean Montrose. Not only is he making his managerial debut uh, tonight with me um, and uh, Stroudsburg for Frontier Professional Wrestling, but the work that he's been doing on this show, unbelievable. He got out the Julia podcast. Then, less than 24 hours later, he got the weekly podcast. I made him aware, hey, buddy, can we get out this emergency uh, podcast? Well, not emergency, but this podcast quick because I want everybody to – I want to capitalize on the fantastic show that was the five-star final Grand Prix. Like, absolutely, I can get up in a day or two. And then on Monday morning in your feeds, you will have uh, – for the Red Belt tier Patreon, you will have the watch-along between Mayu and Utami from the finals four years ago, 2018 – so uh, the guy just does tremendous work. Plus, he's an A-plus husband, A-plus father. Uh, he does a lot of other side jobs and his regular job. And I think he may sleep three or four hours a night. I don't know. That, and he's a fantasy football expert. So uh, before we dive into it, because we got a lot to talk about, because I'm, I'm going to be reviewing not only the finals, but obviously I have to review Night 19, 
night 19 oh boy <laughs> it's been a, been a long few hours but a good one i'm gonna briefly review um stardom and showcase just because i i, I want to i do want to go through that um i'm just gonna go through the matches real quick i'll do a little more in-depth review of the two five-star matches and then of course the main event of this show will be the review from the final night of the five-star um grand prix but before we get into it i just want to uh, send my condolences and thoughts to uh, the passing of Japanese professional wrestling legend Antonio Noki. Antonio Noki is definitely somebody who changed the game uh, for Jap- not only Japanese wrestling, just wrestling in general. You know, you can always make an argument on like who the best wrestlers of all time are. I get asked a lot who I think is the greatest Japanese wrestler of all time. And at different days, you'll get different answers. I guess like if I had to really pick somebody, I'd say Mitsuhara Misawa. But as far as who's the biggest star and in the history of Japanese wrestling to me, it's Antonio Noki. I mean, what he's done building new Japan, uh, that match he had with Muhammad Ali, granted it wasn't the greatest of matches, but he had the basic is almost the first, uh, mixed martial arts fight with Muhammad Ali. And if you're just never even sure, or haven't seen much of Anoki or how, just how over he was, go back and watch his retirement match. Um, I don't know. I should, I should, I should have wrote it down. <laughs> His retirement match it took place in the Tokyo Dome against Don Fry, the Predator Don Fry, uh, MMA legend, one of my favorite fighters of all time. And I think it was, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I read Chris Charlton's Eggshell book so many times, well, which he documents every single Tokyo Dome show from the first show up until maybe about two or three years ago. And I think it's the highest attended professional wrestling show in the Tokyo Dome. And Don Fry had to win a tournament to wrestle Noki in his final match, which was the main event. I think there was like 70,000 people in the Tokyo Dome. I've never, that's my favorite building to watch wrestling. I'm just a huge fan of the Wrestle Kingdoms and the All Japan shows that happened there. And obviously, you know, the two Noah shows uh, that happened there as well. I just absolutely love that building. Literally number one on my bucket list of professional wrestling things to do is to uh, go to a show in the Tokyo Dome. Hey, Stardom, if you put on a show in the Tokyo Dome, I will take my money and fly to Japan. Just give me a year in advance notice so I can try to learn how to speak Japanese. Anywho, um, like the match is only like six or seven minutes. And they said Anoki went on the match really, really banged up, really, really injured. And like literally the match is like Don Fry beating up Anoki, Anoki making a little bit of a comeback. When Anoki makes his little bits of the comeback, the crowd's going ballistic. And the finish of the match is, not to spoil it, but I mean, you're talking about a match that's like 30 years old. Like Anoki hits the Insiguri, the place goes ballistic. He locks Don Fry into the Cobra Twist. And when Don Fry taps out or quits, I, I forget which one it was, but the place just goes nuts. Like we've seen, there's been so many phenomenal game-changing matches that have taken place in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. You know, all the Okada stuff, the Omega stuff, the Tanahashi stuff, you know, uh, the the Kabashi versus Sasuke, uh, Kensei Sasaki matches. There's been so many phenomenal matches that have taken place in the Tokyo Dome, especially in that main event position, you know, Okada, Bushi, uh, I can go on and on, but I don't think any one of those matches had the reaction that Anoki and Don Fry did. And again, it went like seven minutes. So uh, rest in peace to an absolute legend, Antonio Noki. you will live on forever. And thank you for inventing uh, strong style professional wrestling. God bless you, sir. Okay. Let's get into the stardom cast night 19. Uh, we are going to go and get the bear with me, folks. Literally, I've been up since quarter to two in the morning. As soon as the show was over, I took a 20-minute nap, and then I went to the gym for two hours because I'm nuts. So 
hey, that just goes to show you got to prioritize your time, you know, and you can do whatever you want. But uh, let's fire through this, shall we? Okay, so we go to the 24th of September at night 19. First match is the uh, Queen's Quest team of Lady C and Hina taking on the Oedo Tai team of Rina and Ruaka. A really good match here. A really good solid opener. Only went six minutes, 50 seconds. Uh, the sisters, Rina and Hina, really good chemistry together. I hope somewhere down the line uh, they have a little bit of a feud. And then they wind up teaming together because we've seen them team together on that, um, I think it was the New Blood show. One of the New Blood shows and they had great chemistry together. Um, or was that Hannah, Hina? I forget. Anywho, uh, uh, another story, another day. But um, Hina uh, escapes the Pink Devil and rolls up her sister for the Ghetto Clutch three stars. Okay, we go to Blue Stars block action. Uh, our first tournament match of the evening. We have Mina Shirakawa absolutely just dominating this tournament as far as an improved wrestler standing goes. Go, coming in with eight points, going up against Hana, coming in with zero. Hana starts out fast and furious, as she has been known to do these last few matches. Throws a pair of drop kicks and a judo throw. Mina stops Hana with the low Muda drop kick, goes to work on that knee, and uh, then when, instead of going to the figure four, she goes to the Liger surfboard. So we've seen her just being a huge big fan of Jushin Liger. When Liger did commentary on a show a couple of months ago after the Cosmic Angels were, were victorious, you could see that uh, that Mina Shirakawa uh, welled up in tears with uh, with the you know being next to Jushin Thunder Liger. So again, if you're gonna you're gonna steal your stuff, steal your stuff off the best. If Mina's doing a great job and she's making it her own, um, Mina floors Hana with a big form, but Hana uh, comes back uh, with. A, uh, she stops the all. Uh, excuse me. She halts the onslaught with a judo throw and an armbar attempt. Hannah then hits the iron cross northern light suplex for two. I love it how she does that move. Crowd is getting really both behind both ladies. Really 50-50 for both Mina and Hana. Um, Mina goes back to Hana's knee, tries to set it for the figure four, but Hana escapes, hits the Hana special and the rocker dropper for two. Uh, Hana goes for the backdrop driver. Mina rolls through and she has a dragon screw leg whip. Mina attempts the figure four again. But Hana winds up evading. Back and forth, they go with some close flash, flash pins. And then Hana rolls up uh, Mina Shirakawa at 6 minutes 40 seconds with the um, the double arm roll up that she calls the 17. So, if uh, really good finish there, I really enjoyed the um, how she got into that roll up. And that was the roll up that almost beat Starlight Kid in their Artist of Stardom Championship match just a few weeks ago. So, uh, if Stardom is smart, maybe they get winger to uh, play Hana out, even though she's 18. But, hey, yeah, so she's only 17 roll-up there. So uh, I really enjoyed a match three and three-fourth stars as you see Hana getting her first two points, halting Mina Shirakawa, coming off that big win uh, over Sayakamatani, and then they kind of just bring her right back down to earth with a win over Hana. So, uh, But Mina looked great in that match. We move on to the second match of the tournament, third match of the night. We go over to the Red Stars block as we have Momokogo take, coming in with two points, taking on Micah, coming with 14 points. Micah gets a win here. Pretty much almost a breeze for her to get to the finals on the final night. So we know what will probably happen. The expect the unexpected. Uh, Momo tries for a quick roll-up right off the handshake, uh, trying to be a little sneaky. Micah uses their size and strength advantage early on, just really dominating uh, Micah, and anytime that Momo Kogo gets any bit of distance, she's so desperate to try to get a flash pin, a roll up, or an O'Connor roll, or a schoolboy, or really anything. It's really her only offense here, as the majority of the matches, Mike is just dominating. Um, Momo winds up hitting the springboard dropkick, um, and then uh, 
Or excuse me, she hits the uh, she hits the six one nine. She goes for the springboard drop. I thought this was a cool spot, but as she's on the top rope, Micah just catches her and hits the stalling suplex. I thought it was a really really good spot. Micah hits the discus lariat and she goes for the Mijinoka driver. But as she picks Momokogo up, Momo gets, catches her in the Hurricanrana. Five minutes twenty seven seconds to get her second win of the tournament. One of the biggest upsets of the tournament. I really liked uh, that finish. I thought that was a really cool really cool spot. Three and a half stars and gets Momokogo. Not only a win, but a big win over somebody's got the who was leading the uh, the block coming into this uh, semifinal night. We go into match number four as uh, Saya coming with four points, taking on Starlight Kid coming in with twelve points. This is a Blue Stars block action. Uh, Saya sets the pace really early on with the never-ending chops. Uh, Starlight Kid winds up firing back with some solid forearms. The two lock wrists, and they seem to have a forearm fest that goes on forever. That I. Did not get sick of. Uh, these two are really laying into each other. Ida, uh, Saida gets the advantage by hitting some big shoulder tackles and some big lariats. And then Saida goes for the trademark brain buster. Starlight Kid escapes. Locks in the Black Tiger Leg Crusher submission. Saida gets the ropes, but Starlight Kid stays on top, stays aggressive, hits the shotgun knees and the twisting frog splash for two. Ida comes back. It's a big lariat. And then when Ida goes for it, another lariat, going to the well once too, once too often, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, as she gets scooped up into the Black Tiger driver just under eight minutes. This is another solid match. Three and a half stars, taking Starlight Kid up to 14 points. We move on to match number five, match number four of the tournament. We stay at the Blue Stars block as we have Ami Sori coming in with 10, taking on Suzu Suzuki, who's on an absolute roll here. She's coming in with 10 points as well. Uh, after a little some back and forth chain wrestling, Ami Sori goes to the half grab early on to try to wear down Suzu Suzuki. Suzu Suzuki starts building some advantage uh, with the Joshi dropkick. Shout out to Shane Hagedorn, Ring of Honor, forever. Uh, and some forms. Suzu uh, uh, avoids some Ami Sori chops, and then they... Uh, then they, they uh, excuse me. Then she she uh, excuse me. Su Suzu invites Ami Sori to chop her, which is not was not a good idea. Ami takes her up on the offer. She hits a chop flurry and then a DVD, and then she goes back to the Boston Crab. Except this time it's the high angle Boston Crab. Ami Sori escapes the tequila shot, hits a big lariat and the blue thunderbomb for two, and then Ami tries to put her away with the like a thunderbolt. Suzu uh, avoids. She hits a release German suplex and the tequila shot for two. And then she quickly counters up on the damage that she's done on Ami's back and neck. She's another stalling German suplex for the win. Three and three-fourth stars. This one got done ten and a half minutes. These two had really, really good chemistry together. Uh, again, Suzu Suzuki's, you know, she's got that deathmatch background. So they enjoy pain. So her inviting Ami Sori to do the chops. Um, and then, of course, Ami Sori's like, sure, of course I'm going to take, take you up on that offer. I thought that was a really, really cool spot. And then just Suzu blitzing Ami uh, at the very end with all the head dumps. I thought it was a great way to end this match and to break the tie between the two. So that pulls Suzu up to 12 points. We switch over to the Red Stars block as we have Himika coming in with 12 points, taking on Yunagi. Poor Yunagi only coming in with two points, but having some really good matches here at the last four or five shows. I think that they're going to do, I think Yunagi's, they're going to build Yunagi back up pretty well in the tag tour. I think her and Mina are going to go on a heck of a run uh, in the Goddess of Stardom tournament. Uh, fingers crossed, because I'm such a huge fan of the team that is Pink Kabuki. Um, Yunagi jumps Himika uh, right early on and locks into Fujiwara armbar. Big fan of the uh, Fujiwara armbar. 
So I never seen Unagi do that. So I thought that was uh, that was a really cool spot. Unagi stays aggressive with strikes and constant pressure on Himika's arm. Makes sense. You want to take away the power and those lariats. Unagi hits a face buster and then floats over into a double armbar. Again, more submissions from Unagi. Always gets a thumb up from me. Hamika winds up deadlifting Unagi up, hits a JP coaster to create some separation. She hits a series of short arm lariats and then follows up with a clothesline to the back of Unagi's head and then hits the con concussion bomb right around the nine minute mark, three and a half stars. Again, I really like Unagi going to some more submissions, uh, submission base. And she looked really good there. And Himika did a really good job feeding and selling for those uh, submissions. But it was not enough as the Lariats and Concussion Bomb take the Cosmic Angel down. We go over Blue Stars block action. Mayu Iwatani taking on Momo Watanabe. The match that I was looking forward to the most. Even though we've seen these two have about a dozen or so matches together. And they always seem to be linked up in the 5-star grand rate. You know, it's just like, I guess, Death Taxes and Momo Watanabe versus Mayu Iwatani in the 5-star. In the by, no, by no means my complaint. You know, give me more. Um, Momo jumps Mayu uh, as soon as the match starts and we have an outside brawl. Uh, the two of them go back and forth on the outside and then they wind up going into the ring. Uh, they find their way back to the ring and then uh, Mayu tries to strike with Momo. That's a big mistake. As good as a striker as Mayu is, you're going up against one of the best strikers uh, in the company. Um, Momo winds up picking apart poor Mayu. Um, with uh with kicks and then my eventually as momo's really beaten down mayu she tries to bring the wrench in and the referee doesn't get distracted long enough as we see momo watanabe doing the eddie guerrero spot with the wrench as she threw it to mayu i thought that was pretty cool and then mayu like sold it i mean there's nobody better selling than mayu god bless her um mayu sold the thing you know where she almost got disqualified because supposedly she had the wrench i believe she got disqualified in a match last year against fukin death uh with something very very similar i think with the chair uh, they kind of were playing off that a little bit from last year's tournament. Uh, Mayu comes back with the dropkick face wash combination and hits the second rope double stomp for two. Mayu sets up for the dragon suplex, but Momo escapes and hits a big head kick. And then Mayu just quickly shakes it off. hits a super kick that floors Momo. And then she goes to the top rope for that fantastic and underrated frog splash. A lot of Eddie Guerrero stuff in this match. She hits the frog splash for two. Um, eventually, Momo winds up hitting a series of head kicks and then she hits, he, she hits the Tequila Sunrise and the Meteora combination for two. She locks in the Crossface Chicken Wing and then floats it over into the B-Driver for two. Momo hits a brutal head kick. Um, and then she puts the wrench in her knee pad. Um, but as she's putting the wrench in her knee pad, when she turns around, she eats a super kick. And then a drop kick that sends Momo to the outside. Mayu attempts her signature suicide dive to the outside. But Momo throws a chair to cut Mayu off. Um, Momo hits the bastard driver and then locks in the cross face chicken wing. Um, Mayu winds up fighting out of the, uh, excuse me, then as, uh, as Momo has her in the cross face chicken wing, she goes to set her up for the peach sunrise, which is a classic combination from Momo Watanabe. Um, Mayu fights out of the peach sunrise, but he winds up eating a head kick with the, uh, keep in mind the wrenches in the kick pad and then a, a brutal punk kick with the wrench, and then Momo finishes Mayu off with the Peach Thunder at 11 minutes, 32 seconds, four and a quarter stars. Uh, they've had better matches, but again, four and a quarter stars. Absolutely fantastic. I thought this was a, another great match, and the series that is Mayu versus Momo. Maybe somewhere down the line for the Patreon members, maybe I'll do a, uh, a series where I do, like, I basically go through the feud of Mayu and Momo, because I don't think not enough people 
really know about just the classic matches that you used to have. And this is another one. This is another instant classic. That takes Momo up to double digits. So after she was kind of was losing some matches, I didn't think she was going to lose. You know, she got the win over Julia. She gets the win over Mayu here, uh, pulling up to double digits. We go to the main event of this show as we have Yutami Haishista coming in with 12 points, taking on Tam Nakano with 14 points. Red Stars block action. This was a match that a lot of people had these two. Most majority of people had Julia and the winning the Blue Stars. And then a lot of people were kind of split, Utami and Tam. I personally had Utami going to the finals. And you, this was a must win for Utami because if Utami loses this match, not only is she down four points, but then she also loses the tiebreaker to Tam as well. So she's almost down three with just one match to go. So obviously a must-win match for the former champion. And Utami, former, not only former World of Stardom champion, but a former uh, five-star Grand Prix champion. So how does she beat Tam? What's the strategy in a must-win match? How about you singing your opponent's theme song as they're coming to the ring? You want to talk about mind games. I thought that was funny. Um, and as Tam gets in the ring and she does her, her uh, apron pose, you can just see how pissed she is. <laughs> she gets in the, she seems so mad, like Julia mad at her. <laughs> I thought that was good. And I was like, boy, they really can plant the seeds for a really big feud between the two of these, uh, you know, coming towards the end of this year. Um, I thought that was good. Uh, as soon as the bell rings, Tam's playing no game. She's pissed off. She comes at you, Tommy, with the big boot and a backdrop driver that sends the Red Queen the outside. Uh, Utami tries to go after Tam's arm on the outside, but uh, Utami, excuse me, Tam counters Utami's onslaught with a knee strike and a dive to the outside. Tam hits a spin kick German suplex combination, but Utami fights up fighting spirit. Um, you know, going through the legend that is Antonio Noki, going through the fighting spirit. Um, they wind up trading suplexes back and forth. At the end of the suplex chain, they slow it down and calm it down. But the one thing that isn't calmed down is the crowd, because this is where the crowds are really, really high. Not only for this match, for this show, because uh, right now it's 50-50. Tam winds up locking the octopus stretch, but Utami deadlifts her out of it and hits an air raid crash for two. That was a really cool spot. Uh, Tam, Tam comes back with the tiger suplex and a riding sh violent shooting combination. Big form exchange in the middle of the ring between the two uh between the two leaders of their factions. Excuse me, Tam tries to put Utami away with a violent screwdriver, but Utami slips out, hits a pair of lariats for two, then she hits the torture rack bomb for two, and then she quickly follows up with a hijack bomb for the win, blitzing Tam that lasts like 45 seconds with just after the lariats to the neck, just bump after bump after bump, gets it done just under nine minutes, uh, over nine minutes, which... Considering the fact that they went to a time limit draw, 10-minute time limit draw at their Cinderella match, I thought they would have went a little bit longer here. But regardless, uh, this was, this was uh, you know, all killer, no filler. Four and a quarter stars. An excellent match between these two. And that takes you, Tommy, not only up to 14 points, but then she would have the tiebreaker advantage over Tam. We move on to... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was the main event. Jeez. Again, I'm running on very little sleep here. That's A-OK. -okay. We move on to... The co-main event of the evening, which was the main event of the five-star, uh, we have Julia coming in with 13 points, taking on Saya Kamatani with 13 points. So you have an odds-on favorite to win the Blue Stars block in Julia, and then you have what a lot of people are saying is the wrestler of the year, Saya Kamatani, the Wonder of Stardom champion, coming in with 13 points. Really great technical wrestling between the two to uh, kind of slow, slow everything down and then build it back up. Julia starts working on Saya's back, locks in the STF, and then she hits the hangman's neck breaker on the apron. 
Sire rebounds with a Northern Light suplex on the floor and then follows up with her signature springboard crossbody for two. I've never seen her hit that where it's not 100%. Like, it's just so beautiful and so flawless. Saya Kamatani is so technically sound, and everything she does just, just looks fantastic and just makes sense. And she's only wrestling three years. Unbelievable. Uh, Julia hits a German suplex and then locks in the octopus stretch to kind of keep the pressure on Saya's back and her neck. Julia hits the top rope butterfly suplex for two. Saya fights back with the spin kick and then a pump kick. Big form exchange between the two. We've seen a lot of form exchanges in the middle of the ring in this tournament. And by no means am I complaining about it. You know, as long as it's done well, the psychology makes sense. I'm all for it. Do it every match. I don't care. Uh, Julia winds up winning when she just absolutely floors the champ with a bunch of stiff forms and hits one big one. Saya comes back with a series of kicks. But that, um, and then she winds up setting up Julia for the Star Crusher. But Julia turns the Star Crusher into a Falcon Arrow for two. Uh, we get some flash falls back and forth as you never know when you're going to flash pin in this tournament. Sayakamatani goes for the backslide. In the words of Bobby Heenan, drop to your knees so you can't take him down. And that's what Saya does. And she hits the kick at Goye and then go, floats her right into the Star Crusher. She goes for the 450. But as she comes down, Julia catches Sayakamatani in the triangle choke. That was a really, really cool spot. She didn't get as flawless as she want, but she eventually got there. And I thought that that's a really, really cool spot. Uh, Saya gets to the ropes, but Julia winds up hitting the backdrop driver. She locks in uh, an Indian deathlock and then does the Shibata-style headbutt into the guillotine choke as Saya Kamatani passes out. This was fantastic. This one almost went the time limit. 14 minutes, 49 seconds, four and a half stars, taking Julia up to the leader of the block after starting out 0-2 taking her to 15 points. We move on to the main event of this evening, high-speed championship match, as Azumi will defend her championship against Fukin Death and the uh, the lady with the most title wins in the high-speed division, Hazuki. I'm a big fan of Hazuki's new championship gear look, uh, like that aqua blue. I, um, and then she comes out with like, the pastel robe. Uh, I think that uh, kimono, I think she just looks absolutely fantastic. And she just comes out looking like she's a huge star. And uh, speaking of style, this, this I, I didn't make mention enough the video wall for this, you know, the Rossi trauma was fantastic, especially Zumi's interest with the purple. It looks like you're on like a roller coaster and like you're speeding. I thought that was fantastic. I thought that it just made Azumi come off even as a bigger star that she has this year. And Hazuki, considering the fact that about a year ago she was in retirement and this year she's just having just a fantastic year. Most of people's uh, MVP for this tournament and somebody that really upped her game. Like she was flirting with the uh, the main event position going into this tournament. To me, you can put her right up there with Utami. You can put her right up there with Suri, Julia, Mayu uh, as as a constant main eventer. I mean, Hazuki is just, she just oozes charisma and star power. So I don't have too many notes in this match just because if you've seen the match, I don't even know what to write. This was fast and furious. Uh, it's a spot fest early on which it has to be. Uh, I mean, they're just kind of going back and forth. Everything is crisp. Everything looks good. Um, Hazuki hits a big dive. Azumi might be the best high-speed wrestler ever. That's the one note I have here kind of in the middle. She's just, just so good. Everything, her timing, everything is good. She knows when to pick it up, when to slow it down, when to put pressure, when she does the arm stuff. That was great. Um, Fruken Death really brought her A-game here as well. Death hits a spin kick into a perfect code red on Hazuki. Uh, Zumi locks in the numero uno on Hazuki. But Fukin Death rolls Azumi up for a near fall. Um, Azumi and Hazuki trade blows. I want to see that match. Yes, please. Azumi Sushi on Hazuki for two. Uh, Lamiska gets countered into a Hazuki Straw Cradle for two. 
Azumi reverses an O'Connor roll on Fukin Death into the double Azumi Sushi for the win. This one got done. Seven minutes, 41 seconds, four and a quarter stars. And then Hazuki gives Azumi her blessing to break the high-speed title defense record. Uh, I think this is about they need to leave on Azumi for a long time. I think everything is just too jumbled up. And the white belt and red belt scene, Azumi, as of today, happy birthday, just turned 20. No need to rush her. Keep the the high-speed belt on her. Keep giving her challengers. Keep building other challengers up for her, which is kind of what they did in this five-star tournament. All the losses she had all came off like high-speed. You know, a lot of it was like high-speed stuff. So you built up a few challengers for the belt. Keep that belt on her for, you know, another year or so. I mean, I'm just not... You're again. You're all jumbled up in the the, the two divisions. You know, you, you can. I mean, Azumi can challenge for any belt. She's so good. But why take the luster off that belt that she's do, been doing such a great job um, building it up this entire year? So, absolutely, I think Azumi will definitely break Hazuki's record for most title defenses. Stardom showcase of Volume Two Electric Boogaloo. Uh, like I said, I'm just I'm going to go through the two five star matches and then just do a quick review of just of the rest of the show. Uh, just you know, just for the uh, just for just for time constraints. And if there's any match that you want to talk about in depth or you want my opinion on, shoot me a line, guys. You know, I try to answer everybody back as soon as possible. Matt Turner OF on the Twitter and the Instagram as well. Okay. Um, this Matt, this show took place the very next night um, on the 25th of September. And from what I understand, this show had like 80 more people than the uh, five-star show, which is crazy. It just shows you that this stardom showcase stuff is, you know, some of the stuff as zany as it is, it's drawn and it's not going to go anywhere. You know, if it's making the company money, it's not going to go anywhere. And they just seem like super fun shows. Uh, first match, Hana. Uh, Blue Stars block match action. Hana coming in with two points, taking on Saida with four points. Um, this is Hana's last uh, tournament match. Ida does a great job working the headlock early on on the younger Hana. Uh, forearm exchange between the two. Big fan of Saida, the way she builds up and the way she does that top rope shoulder tackle. She's doing a great job in this tournament getting that one move over. Ida escapes the 17 roll-up, and then Hana escapes the Itabashi. I thought that was cool how they both did like uh, foot trips. And they tried to get their uh, quick near falls in, but they were able to, uh, to get out of it. Hana special for two, and then Hana hits the pumping knee, and then a backdrop hold. Like, she she always does the backdrop driver, but she, like, held it there like Yuji Nagata. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, she gets the win. Three and a quarter stars. And Hana ends her tournament at four points. I thought Hana was an end of a zero. She's been having just phenomenal, phenomenal matches and uh, if she ended at a zero, she would still come out of this on the positive. Because like I always said, it's not who goes over, it's who gets over. And Hana has gotten over herself over in every single match. So nice to see that she gets uh, two wins back to back to, to end what I thought was an absolute fantastic tournament for her. Um, we go on to the next match as we have uh, what was, I think a lot of people agree with me, the best match of the show. Uh, I guess depends on what you like. Suzu Suzuki coming in with 12 points, taking on Starlight Kid at 14 points. This was supposed to be the match, I believe, on night one. But Suzu Suzuki, uh, I believe, was sick with COVID, and they had to reschedule the match. So we get it here, Stardom and Showcase. Um, the match starts off in Starlight Kid's favor as she tries a lot of the high-speed stuff. Eventually, Suzu uh, slows it down, and then it goes into her pace as she winds up taking it to the, fo to the floor um, eventually, Starlight Kid starts working on Suzu's knee to set up for the Black Tiger Leg Crusher submission. Starlight Kid uh, hits a moonsault on the outside, and then uh, she goes to the top rope, or throws Suzu back in. She goes for the high crossbody on the inside, but she misses. 
Suzu Suzuki follows up with the Joshi dropkick. Shane Hagedorn, what's up? Um, and then Suzu Suzuki hits a standing moonsault. So we have like Lucha Suza over here. Uh, kid holds her own in a strike fest with Suzu Suzuki. Starlight Kid hits not one, not two, three standing moonsaults in a row. I thought that was a cool spot. Basically showing Suzu Suzuki, hey, you can do one. Great. That's fantastic. Let me do three in a row. Um, Suzu hits a headbutt in the half and half slam combo for two. She goes for the signature German suplex, but Starlight Kid rolls through and locks in the leg crusher submission. I love how she's been transitioning into to how she's been getting into that hold all sorts of different ways. But you're avoiding your opponent's big move, that stalling German suplex. And then when I get out of it, I'm locking in one of my moves. I thought that's great. Um, she hits the lightning shot. Starlight Kid hits the lightning spiral and the twisting frog splash for two. Starlight Kid goes back to the leg crusher submission. Um, Suzu gets to the rope. Starlight Kid just been doing a great job staying super, super aggressive and chaining these big moves together. Because as Suzu gets to the rope, Starlight Kid pulls her off. It's the Tiger Suplex for two. Um, Starlight Kid goes to the top rope for the Moonsault. She gets cut off and she gets hit with a sick Spider German Suplex. Suzu follows up. She hits the Tequila Sunrise. The te yeah, the Tequila Sunrise. The Tequila Shot and then follows up with the two German Suplex Locomotion Combination for the win, four and a quarter stars. This match, this match ruled. This match is awesome. Okay, I will go through the rest of these matches. Uh, match three, Falls Count Anywhere. Mayu versus Azumi versus Ram versus Micah. This match is wild and crazy and fun. Poor Mayu gets kicked all the way down the steps. Like, I don't even know how many steps they were, but you saw all the bruises on poor Mayu. And then she had a wrestle star like in the, you know, today's show, which was a show stealer which we'll get into in a minute, but I hope she takes like a week off. God bless her. Uh, back in the ring, Azumi hits the La Mystica, and then uh, she hits a double stomp from the top of the ladder, which I thought was cool. For some reason, there's a bike in this match. Uh, Micah throws the bike at everyone. Eventually, Azumi, Mayu, and Ram all pin Micah. So uh, everybody wins with poor Micah. Um, this was the last match that I kind of, well, no, I rated this one three and a half stars. Cosmic Rules 2, um, this was just like a, uh, a wet t-shirt contest match. This was it was a little more entertaining than the first one. Um, I thought some of the stuff with uh, Tam and Natsupoi was funny. That was fun. Um, it didn't overstay its welcome. I mean, you know what you're going to get into this match. You're not going to get a Funk Briscoe Steamboat Flare Classic, but it's fun. I mean, all six of these ladies are just fantastic in the ring. You could tell you look like poor Saki, just like in the first one, just did not want to be there. Did not want to be there. Kind of not her bag. Um... Just like in the last match, where everybody won with Micah, everybody won with poor Yunagi, as Yunagi uh, beats up Daichi and uh, gets DQ'd. Um, I'm not going to rate this match. It was fun. Uh, it was entertaining while it lasted. And again, these matches are they're drawn money. So they will more than likely be a Cosmic Rules 3. Um, hardcore match. Julian uh, Rina Yamashita versus Mama Watanabe and Ruaka. This is a wild brawl that saw the use of tables, chairs, chains, guitars, ladders, and boards with glasses. Oh, that's that uh, spot with those the cut open uh, cans and glasses that Rena took. That was phew, that was something. Uh, curb stomp into the bricks that Julia did on uh, Ruaka. That was something. Uh, eventually, Julia gets Ruaka took a lot of stuff in this match. It's kind of scratching my head why she was in it, but Ruaka was really in a good spot here. I thought she looked really good here. Uh, she winds up eating the backdrop driver from Julia for the finish. We get into the main event match where we have the Rasiogawa All-Star Team of World of Stardom Champion Shuri um, and last year's 
five-star winner versus the former champion in the 2020 winner, Utami versus Lady C, who I'm still waiting for them to give a little bit of a push to. Big fan of Lady C. Versus the Grim Reapers, which two of the Grim Reapers turned out to be uh, Nanai Takahashi and Yuna uh, Manasi. Um, I've never seen Yuna wrestle before. I thought her stuff was really, really good. I know after the match, uh, Nanai and Yuna said that they are going into tag league. Fine by me as long as they're in the same block as uh, whoever Sherry's team with. I'm thinking Inaba and Micah and Himika. Just because I think you will see some, I know you will definitely see some hard-hitting matches. So, um, and Momo as well. You know, bring put, put Momo in that. Uh, Momo and Starlight Kid. Love to see Momo and Nanai mix it up again as uh, they did in the Nippon Budokan Hall last year. And I think the wrong person went over. I thought uh, Nanai and Utami, their stuff looked really, really good. I hope we get a singles match somewhere down the line, maybe at the end of the year show. Uh, who knows? Uh, eventually, uh, Nanai hits the splash on the Lady C for the one, two, three. And then we also find out there's a new faction uh, with uh, with these ladies and Jazzy Gabber, alpha female called the Neo Stardom Army. And their whole goal is there's too many pretty ladies in stardom and they're going to come and just beat the crap out of everybody. Again, there's a lot of hard hitters in stardom. You know, Momo, Mayu, Shuri, Julia, uh, Micah, Himika, Amisori, Mirai. So it's like, sure, I got a lot of people were complaining about it. I know the roster is starting to get a little bit too big. At the same time, if they come only come in spurts and we're going to see Nanai in the uh, Goddess of Stardom Tag League, um, Put them in the ring up against wrestlers that can hit hard and just let them stand and trade. I will take that all day. All day, not a problem there. And also, real quick, I just want to make mention, I forgot to last week, is that uh, Kari, um, it mentioned, uh, I'm sure everybody knows, Kari is now going to be in the international bracket for the IWGP um, Women's Championship. Again, you can kind of scratch your head and say, well, international, she's from Japan. The way that stardom, uh, we are stardom on Twitter Fantastic follow, by the way, pointed out where she's an international superstar. So that counts as being international. And nobody, I didn't see anybody complain about it. It's like, sure, no problem. So it pretty much to me, I, I think it's going to be Kari that's going to win that block and then probably advance uh, against Ma- Mayu. And something else that somebody brought up to me just, just yesterday um, was pretty much uh, right after the uh, the podcast, the weekly podcast got releases. I believe that they said whoever though whoever leads the point advantage in the uh, the respective factions, those are going to be the wrestlers that are going to be going on to the tournament. So I think that's kind of why they kind of halted Hazuki and started giving Mayu the point. So I think it's pretty clear that it's going to be Mayu and Kari in the finals of the IWGP uh, Women's Championship tournament. Um, it's predictable, but at the same time, you know. I got that. What what else would you want? I mean, Kari versus Mayu. I mean, that's that's just money. You're trying to draw like what 15,000 people to your New Japan Stardom show, and that's going to be one of your biggest matches. So, um, yes, please by all means. Okay, we move on to the main event in the uh, of this podcast. As you can probably hear me flipping my notes uh, beforehand, let me get a little drink of water here. As we have 13 matches to review from this phenomenal final. Five-star Grand Prix final taking place October 1, Azuma's birthday. My daughter's birthday eve. As my wife is downstairs cooking up a storm. So I will be staying out of the kitchen until time for me to leave for wrestling today. So yeah, as if I wasn't busy enough when I have wrestling tonight, which... 
Again, by no means am I complaining. I'm a blessed, blessed man. Uh, I have seen my man, Darren Chatton. Great. Just he helps me out so much. Sent me a message this morning and he said it's not 100% final. So if he's wrong, please do not, you know, beat down on him. I'll take the heat. But he did say he saw a few reports that there was over 2,500 people in attendance here. Um, it looked jam-packed. It looked up until they turned the lights on and you look all the way back on the further corner. There wasn't many empty seats. Um, as always, Darren, thank you so much just for, for all the help and just the conversations we have. It's all about, about stardom because I, I just love talking. I just love people in general. I love talking about wrestling to anybody. But considering the fact that we're talking about stardom, which is my favorite thing in wrestling right now, and the fact that we're two people on two different sides of the world, I think just it just speaks volume just how awesome wrestling is. And I greatly appreciate your support. Not only your support, but just I've got so many. You know, Marnie Shoe Exchange, uh, Armani Shoe Exchange, Velkage, uh, Scotty Wrestling. So many people just reach out to me and just the help that I've been getting and the positive uh, vibes that I've been getting, positive uh, feedback that I've been getting. Just absolutely just it's it makes it so easy to do this podcast. Absolutely love doing it. Okay. Um, Enough with the chitter-chatter. Let's get at her. Final night or day. Whatever depends on where you were in the country. Saeeda coming in uh, with four points, going up against Mirai, coming in with 13. I didn't realize they did all the Blue Stars block matches first and then all the Red Stars block matches. So um, I thought that was that was pretty unique. So you kind of had like a little bit of a breather as we were kind of bumping up going on to the Red Stars. So um, And thanks to everybody for all the... Uh, Sheldon Cooper, genius help, math physicist help on trying to figure out who needs to win what, what needs to be a draw, what needs to be a counter to get to who needs to go to the finals. Because this was, boy, this was, it was a little tricky to figure out. Then as it was kind of going along, I was like, ah, I kind of just overthought it. Anywho, uh, Saida versus Mirai. Uh, you know what you're going to get here, and we got it. Uh, they exchanged shoulder tackles in the beginning. Saida goes to the headlock to start wearing down Mirai. Notice that Saeed has been using the headlock a lot to kind of wear down our opponent. I'm a big fan of that, especially the fact the way she used it where there's no daylight. Uh, Ida lariats Mirai off the apron, and the two of them have a lariat off onto the outside, and they decided we don't want to get double count out, so if we're going to continue this lariat off, um, let's do it on the inside. Eventually, Mirai wins. She starts working on Ida's arm, and then she uses a bow and arrow style submission to get the tap out win. Uh, three and three four stars. Mirai ending at a fantastic 15 points. The winner of the Cinderella tournament has a fantastic showing in this year's five star. And even though Saida only having four points against she had to qualify for the tournament, I thought she came out of the everybody really came out of this tournament better than they went in. Um, so great showing on Saida. Um, and, and also, you know, she, she did get a win over Hazuki. So we, again, uh, stay in the Blue Stars block. We have Natsupoy coming in with 12 points, going up against Mina with 8 points. Now, I got up quarter to 2. Um, it was so funny because I, I got up quarter to 2. To come to, and first thing I noticed, my wife wasn't in bed. It's so funny. And I was like, where the heck is she? So I go downstairs, and she was asleep on this. And this show started at 2 o'clock my time. I'm in Pennsylvania, so Eastern Standard Time. I come downstairs, and we all have our vices. Mine, obviously, is wrestling. Hers is uh, QVC in the Food Network. I come downstairs, and she's got QVC on. She's asleep on the couch. So I wake her up. I said, go upstairs. She goes, what are you doing? I said, stardom show. So you tag out with QVC. I'll tag in with stardom. So uh, And the show went on probably about five minutes early. And my main concern was, because my internet where I live is just, it's not the best. And plus, this is a big show. And sometimes these pay-per-views, they crash the server. 
So there was no problem. The, the five or ten minute pre-show, no problem in the first match. Like, okay, we're good to go. This match I had to go back and watch because it was unwatchable because the feed just kept freezing, just kept freezing. Um, my notes are kind of all over the place, so just bear with me because I did. As soon as the show was over, I went back and rewound. Um, the two of them have a sit-down stare-off as they wind up trading forearms in the middle of the ring. Poi hits an early German suplex, but she tries to go to the top rope. Uh, Mina winds up cutting her off. Um, Mina winds up using the uh, Muda dropkick and then starts to work on Mina's knee. Mina hits a back fist that floor is not to Poi. Poi escapes the glorious driver and hits the flipping powerbomb and then a release German suplex. Mina comes back with that perfect jumping in Siguri. Uh, Natsupoi hits another German suplex for two. Natsupoi goes to the top. That's where, yeah, that's where my uh, my notes kind of get confusing. So now, okay, so Natsupoi, when she goes to the top rope, Mina slaps the DDM out of Natsupoi. Boy, she really laid her stuff in there. Um, and then if she hits a dragon screw from the top rope and then a few dragon screws on the ground. She goes to the figure four and they wind up working it for a little bit. Eventually, Natsupoi taps out. Psychology of this match was great. This was all pretty much nonstop. They started with some stiff slaps in the middle of the ring. Natsupoi tried to use her speed advantage to take apart Mina. Eventually, Mina gets a hold of Natsupoi's leg. Uh, doesn't really let it go with those two beautiful dragon screws in the figure four leg lock. As Mina Shirakawa this, finishes this tournament at 10 points and is the a lot of people's biggest surprise of the tournament. And I've been singing, singing Mina's praises since early on this spring. Absolutely. I don't think there's anybody that's made a bigger jump in this tournament than Mina. And Natsupoi finishes at a respect, respectable 12. And now with Mina getting the win over a tag champ, even though they're in the uh, the same faction, you wonder now, again, how that's going to build up, assuming that Mina and Yunagi, Pink Kabuki, will be teaming up for the Goddess of Stardom tournament. We should be seeing the, uh, probably as early as this week, next week, today, Saturday. Um, well, as you listen to this, it's either Sunday or Monday. But anywho, we'll probably be seeing the names of the tournament coming up soon. Blue Stars block match that I was really, really looking forward to. Uh, Hazuki, this is the third match of the night. Hazuki coming up 14 points. Momo Watanabe, 10 points. Uh, Momo Watanabe, as I mentioned on this podcast several times, had a successful title defense when she was the Wonder of Stardom champion against Hazuki. And uh, she also beat Hazuki on night two of World Climax. So Hazuki just can't get past Momo Watanabe. And Momo's on a roll, winning, beating Julia, beating Mayu. And Hazuki, who went seven for seven, has lost every match since. Um, as soon as Hazuki gets in the ring, she barely gets in the ring. Momo jumps her. Um, she uh, winds up punting uh, Hazuki uh, while Momo's on the apron. She posts Hazuki, uh, but then Hazuki comes back with uh, multiple brute, sca- brute scrapes uh, as they get in the ring. And then Hazuki fires up, and this entire crowd is all behind Hazuki. Hazuki just knew when to fire her up and what to do at the right time. Her crowd psychology in this match was just spot on. Uh, the two trade boots and kicks back and forth. Uh, Momo hits a half and half suplex to stop the onslaught of Hazuki. Hazuki rebounds and she hits the Hazuki driver. And then a forearm fast ensues. Again, I'll never get tired of it, especially with two fantastic strikers like Hazuki and Momo. Uh, Momo tries to top up Yurinagi. But Hazuki beats Momo down, and then Hazuki comes off the top rope while Momo's on the top rope. And it's a double stomp on Momo's back, and then follows up with a code breaker. The two trade boots again back and forth. Hazuki hits the Hazuki driver of Senton. Three Hazuki drivers in the Brain Buster, and I thought, oh, Hazuki's going to get up to 16 points. Good for her. This was a solid, solid match. But then as the three count goes, Tora pulls the ref out of the ring. 
and I'm not a big fan of interference, but the way that like whenever Momo and Starlight Kid and even uh, when Kigetsu uh, was part of a way to tie, like the little bit of interference that they did, it wasn't insulting or it was like overly done or done right in front of the ref. Um, so so this was fine. As much as I don't like interference, the interference here was fine. And then plus it really basically shows that Hazuki had this match won. Uh, this feud is far from over. Um, Momo hits a... So Hazuki goes after Tora Gets cut off on the apron. Momo hits a B-driver on the apron and then hits a second one on the inside for a two-count. She quickly locks in the crossface chicken wing. She goes for the Peach Thunder. Hazuki escapes the Peach Thunder. She eats a punk kick and a bastard driver onto the chair. Um, quickly, they get the chair out of the ring. She hits the Peach Sunrise for two. Uh, Momo quickly stays on Hazuki and hits the Peach Thunder. A big fan of how she's gotten the Peach Thunder over in this tournament, using in the bigger matches to put Hazuki away four and a half stars. Um, when Momo was even up until like late last year, like no one really ever kicked out of the, uh, the peach sunrise. It was like a, like a Mayu thing or like EO thing. Like no one ever really kicked out of it. Now a lot of people are kicking out of it. So you've kind of used it as like a wear down hold. So what then Momo does is like, well, I'm just going to create a new like super finisher that nobody's going to kick out and I'm going to protect it. And that's what the peach thunder is. Uh, I think she's done a great job. It's like now that people are kicking out of it, um, so at sometimes, I mean, we see the, we saw the locomotion uh, Peach Sunrise used on Julia, but I, I'm a big fan of how she's uh, chaining the uh, the Tequila Sunrise, the Peach Sunrise, and the Peach Thunder in. Uh, four and a half stars. Momo, to me, the beginning of this tournament, I was kind of like, I'm a huge Momo fan. I was kind of like, oh, just, I don't know. It just, seems, it just seems like she's a little bit off, especially with the wrench. And then the last like five or six matches have all been like spot on. Just a phenomenal tournament for Momo. And... I'm going to be doing a entire wrap-up show where it's going to be dedicated just to the five-star. And I'm going to be interested just to see where Momo is going to rank in my top ten. I know who my one or two are, but I really got to sit down and, and jot everything out. But more on that uh, later. Match number four. Momo will finish the tournament with 12 points. Poor Hazuki finishes with 14. 14 is a great number. But when you started out with 14 and really not able to get any wins, um, just – it. It just seems like they were so close on maybe pulling the trigger on Hazuki. I think they're going to build her back up, and I really think sometime next year she's going to be the one to end Saya Kamatani's Wonder of Stardom title reign. We stay, well, obviously, we stay in Blue Stars block as we have Ami Sori coming in with 10 points. Oh, and I had that, they say, four and a half stars. Um, Ami Sori coming in with 10 points. Saya Kamatani, speaking of the Wonder of Stardom champion, coming in with 13. Uh, Ami tries to assert her dominance early on with chops. But Sai Kamatan uses her speed and technique to avoid the onslaught from the bigger uh, the bigger wrestler. Ami uh, eventually gets Sai down, locks in the high angle Boston crab to slow Sai Kamatani down. Excuse me, Sai comes back with that running wheel kick and the picture perfect springboard plancha to the floor. Uh, Ami lariats. Um, uh, Ami gets the advantage on Sai Kamatani and she tries to lariat, but she winds up hitting the post instead. Sai Kamatani hits a double stomp onto the apron. Back inside, Ami winds up getting the series of lariats and then hits a, hits a third lariat that sends Sai Kamatani onto the outside. Sai Kamatani winds up hitting a Northern Light Suplex and a Hurricanrana on the outside to Ami Sori. Ami eventually gets up on Saya. She picks her up in the Samoan drop and takes her all the way to the top of the ramp where the entrance ray is, hits the Finley roll on top of the ramp, and then we get a chase to make it back to 20. And they really milked this 20 count because you thought that Ami was going to get in. Then you thought Saya was going to get in. Then you think anybody was going to get in. Then you thought that both of them were going to come in and do this like hot finish. And they wound up just getting counted out. 
That's so why I thought it was a really good falsy. They had 20 seconds to play with. Well, it's probably longer the way that the ref stretched. It was probably closer to 40, maybe even longer. But they did a great job stretching out uh, this double count out. I was a big fan of the way this match built. Um, they definitely have a better match in them. And I hope it's somewhere down the line we see it. But still, I thought this was really, really good. Uh, and I had this at a solid four stars. Uh, Sai Kamatani finishes with 14. Ami Sori, who had to qualify for the tournament, finishes at 11. So a great tournament from both ladies. Now we really build up the drama. Blue Stars block. Mayu Iwatani, 13 points. Starlight Kid, 14 points. Uh, this is the last time these two wrestled was at the finals last year, where Starlight Kid could have had an opportunity to make it to the finals, but Mayu, the for their leader of her former faction, Stars, stopped her in her way. Um, and then, again, again, these two, they both have an opportunity to make it to the finals, so who's going to stop who? Uh, these two start with some high-speed uh, wrestling. Both of them are just so smooth, so smooth, smooth as silk. They trade chops in the middle. Kid hits a standing moonsault for two. Uh, Mayu eventually gets the advantage. She locks in the standing dragon sleeper that we've seen her beat Saeeda earlier on in the tournament. Uh, Mayu goes for a moonsault but misses. Kid stays on. Uh, Mayu locks in the black tiger leg crusher. Mayu gets to the ropes. Uh, Kid eventually hits the twisting frog splash for a two count. Um, Kid goes to the top rope for a moonsault. She winds up hitting it. Um, for only gets a two. Excuse me, only gets a two count. And then. Again, Kid uh, stays aggressive on Mayu. She goes for the Tiger Suplex. Mayu gets out. and She's a desperation German suplex that she can't follow up on because of just the previous damage done. Mayu tries the two-stage Dragon Suplex, but Starlight Kid has had a little bit too much time to recover. She gets out of it, hits the Dragon Screw Leg Whip, right back into the Leg Crusher submission. Again, a big fan of uh, Starlight Kid. She escapes a big finishing hold from her opponent, the two-stage and then she locks, she goes right back to the knee with the dragon screw, leg crusher combination. Crowd really rallied behind Mayu. To me, this is like the as cool as the spots were. This was the best part of the match because he had her in the submission, and Mayu's getting so close to the ropes, and then she gets pulled back, and then she does that spot where she puts the ankle over her opponent's uh, neck, so it almost turns into like a choke. And Mayu, just being the bad, I was on the edge of my seat. Mayu, just being the best seller, is waiting for the crowd to get to a certain point. When she's going, you know she's going to get to the ropes, or is she? It looks like she's going to pass out. And they check the arm, and then she wakes up. She opens up her eyes, and then just so much drama, just getting to the ropes. It was like a 90-second spot that just built so much in this match. Oh, I thought that was just absolutely great. And then it's pretty much, they just hit the gas from here. Kid follows up with a black tiger, pile driver for two, uh, shotgun knees. Kid sets up for the eternal foe, but Mayu reverses and hits the top rope, Hurricanrana. And then a really, really sick tombstone. She almost lost her former tag partner on that one. Um, but you can see Mayu was as safe as she possibly could. But boy, that was close. The mask probably might have helped too a little bit on the cushion on that. Um, Mayu can't follow up again because of previous damage. Uh, Mayu winds up hitting the super kick dragon screw combination, uh, dragon suplex combination for two. Mayu goes for the moonsault, but on her way to the ropes, this is great. Because uh, with her back towards turn Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid reaches up and gets rolls her up. I thought that was the finish. I thought that would have been a genius finish. Gets rolled up. Uh, Mayu winds up rolling back for uh, the closest three count. Mayu winds up rolling through, which he kicks out, hits a head kick, nails the moonsault. But Starlight Kid kicked out. And not many people have kicked out of the moonsault. Mayu then fires up with everything she has left, hits the two-stage dragon suplex, which nobody kicks out of four, three count. I had this one at five stars. And this is a... And, this still might not make my top 
like five or six lists. Again, I'm going to do a top 10, maybe a top 15. But I thought just with the two of them kind of kicking out of each other's stuff and countering each other's stuff and that whole submission thing where Mayu closed her eyes and you thought that she passed out and looked like the ref was going to call for the bell. That was a great job from Mayu knowing when to do that certain sell, knowing where the camera was as well. Just added on so much more of a dynamic to the match. Um, it would have been four and three-fourth stars, but because of that spot, how it drug out and just the crowd totally getting behind Mayu, I have to bump it up a quarter star. This is a perfect five stars for me and one of the best Starlight Kid matches I've ever seen. Uh, just fantastic. We go to the main event of the Blue Stars block, where it's basically win or go home between the two. Julia taking on Suzu Suzuki. Julia coming with 15. Suzu coming in with 14. Um, the setup, this, 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 the whole monitor thing, the whole, uh, I mentioned in the you know, last two shows, that giant Titan Tron thing or whatever you want to call it, Rossi Tron, Stardom Tron. It was fantastic. But this one here was like, was it on like steroids? <laughs> it was just like, so cool and just so much better. Suzu's entrance was awesome. Julia's entrance, when she came out, I legit got chills. It's like it was like 4:30 in the morning. I'm running on next to no sleep. And Julia's Julia's and this but this match just had me on especially that last match had me on pins and needles. And Julia's entrance, I mean, this girl's just such a star. She has, you know, whenever somebody says star power, for some reason I go to like, where are they on the Kerry Von Eric star power? You can say whatever you want about Kerry Von Eric, but that guy had so much star power. Like when he walked into a room, didn't matter how many people were in there, he took over the room. And Julia, like her star power, is just, it's so undeniable. And you give her that entrance with that video wall. Absolutely unbelievable. The two of them get in the ring, and they're supposed to have this blood feud. Julia left, Suzu behind an ice ribbon. And you can see the two of them just crying. Because you know they're going to beat the heck out of each other. And assuming that they're really, you know, kayfabe, you take away kayfabe, they're probably really good friends behind the scene. Um, and I'm sure Julia probably helped Suzu getting into stardom. It's probably like one look and Rossi God was like, yeah, we're definitely bringing her in. But uh, obviously they've done a great job building this match up. And the stakes really can't be any higher with a shot to go to the finals on the line. Considering the fact that Julia was the pick of many people to win last year. And she got injured. And this is Suzu's first five-star. So what a better way to stick it to her former Ice Ribbon mate than stop her on her way and have her go to the final. Um, soon as the uh, they kind of get over their emotions, I mean, the crowd's electric. This is a big fight feel. Um, Suzu really just slaps the crap out of Julia, you know, right from the get-go. Julia uses her ground attack to cut off Suzu. Uh, Julia transitions so well into her submission. Just a big fan of how she transitions from one hole to another. Uh, they trade headbutts and suplexes. Suzu uh, hits a sliding German suplex, but then Julia hits a uh, top rope uh, glorious slam for two, uh, and then locks in the Bianca. And Julia, mid-submission, where Suzu's, uh, her shoulder was taped up, her arm was taped up, basically does, and I talk about this all the time with Julia, just, it looks like she has like a catch wrestling background. It's an old catch wrestling uh, secret, is you kind of take your point of the knuckle, and you start jamming into whether it's your opponent's ribs or the injured part of the body and she was doing that she wasn't punching it she was driving if you go back and take a look the, the like she was took like the main part of her middle finger and the knuckle and was driving it into suzu's uh where her, her arms were all taped up i thought it was great and to me just added so much another dynamic just to this match suzu winds up get to the ropes julia follows up with the falcon arrow for two uh, Suzu, Suzu counters with the tequila roll, not the tequila shot, but almost very similar to Julia's Ganoske roll, uh, tequila roll for two count. 
Julia uh, rebounds with the Shining Black and the Glorious Driver for two. And that one was sick. She really pile drove Suzu Suzuki's head on the mat. Uh, Suzu hits a desperation German. At this point, this crowd is just going nuts. Absolutely nuts. Uh, Suzu hits a series of kicks and then follows up with a tequila shot for two. Then she does the uh, locomotion German suplexes for two. Um, we've seen her put away just about everybody. If it's not the locomotion German, it's the stalling German suplex coming off the tequila shot. So they did a great job building up this finish. And folks, if you haven't seen this tournament, I know it's 20 nights. If In order for you to truly appreciate this tournament, you uh, this final, you need to go back and watch every match in the tournament. And every match is, no match is bad. Every match is anywhere from good to match of the year. But the fact that Suzu, uh, majority of her matches, she's won with a combination of the tequila shot and either the stalling German or the locomotion, uh, two German suplexes. And the fact that the biggest night of the tournament, like the one that she needs to get the most, that she hits that combination, Julia kicks out like 2.999. I think a lot of people going in, even though like, well, they, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. I think the booking was like, it's got to be Julia. Julia's got to be the one to win this tournament. A lot of people bid on that fall. Even I did. I thought like after she hit the two Germans, I thought, wow, they're putting Suzu through. Um, the two wind up, uh, excuse me, when Julia kicks out, the two wind up brawling, fighting to the end. Time limit draw, four and three fourth stars giving Julia the one point she needs. She finishes at 16. Suzu finishes at 15. Julia wins the block. But the key here is what happened at the end. It was Suzu with the two German suplexes in a row. So if you're going by MMA rules and you probably want judges scorecard, probably Suzu takes it, which leads to some very interesting dynamics as we go into the end of this year and the beginning of next year, depending on who walks out of Dream Queendom with the championship belt. More on that later. And I know that we're running long on time. We're coming up on an hour. It is what it is. Um, before the Red Stars, but I thought this was really classy. So we're getting to start the Red Stars block. And we have a 10-bell salute for Antonio Noki. And I don't know if they did this on purpose, but like they did it before the Red Stars block, and they showed the red towel. That's obviously Antonio Noki's signature, the red towel. Um, we start with the first match, uh, Red Stars block. Match that has no bearing on the outcome, but I kind of figured these two ladies would completely take advantage of the situation. You're coming off like three really, really solid matches, uh, and then so it's like, how do you, you know, how do you counter? So Yunagi coming at two points, Momo Kogo at four. Again, these ladies, we know where they weren't going to have a lot of time. They took advantage of every second. These two both come out of the box uh, like they were shot out of a cannon. No waste in motion. Momo Kogo hits the 619 on the outside, and then she goes for the springboard dropkick. Yunagi dodges it, hits a big boot and a code breaker combination for two. Momo hits the 619 springboard dropkick combo for two. Momo then follows up with the 619 DDT. Yunagi fires back up with some strikes, hits the arm capture DDT, and the thank you for your service pile driver for the three count. Three and a half stars. Again, we know this wasn't going to be a match that everybody was glued to their seats for just because of where they were in the standings, but these ladies took advantage of every single second. So bravo to the two of them. Uh, three and a half stars, great way to get back into everything. We go on to the next match. Saki Kashima coming with 10 points, taking on the birthday girl, Azumi, with 14 points. So Azumi, again, has this phenomenal entrance with the video wall. Now it's a giant video wall, and she just has so much star presence, you know, with the bright colors. Azumi takes her robe off and we see new gear. And I literally tweeted out, Azumi got herself new gear for her birthday. Good for her. And then I literally look up 
and the match is just about over. So pretty much starts with Izumi going for the Kishikasai on Saki. Saki gets out of it, goes for the Izumi Sushi on Izumi. They go back and forth, and then Izumi eats the Kishikasai for the three count. So it's like, okay, I guess that's how we're eliminating Izumi here. Saki casts for 12 points. So that, I mean, it just goes to show you that in this tournament, not in this tournament stardom, you have so many big finishers. The Peach Sunrise, the Peach Thunder. You have the Ruin, the Vermilion World. You know, all, all of Julia's uh, phenomenal uh, finishers and submissions. Uh, Mayu's Moonsault, the uh, the two, two-stage dragon. You know, Yutami's uh, Torture Rack Bomb and Hijack Bomb. But the deadliest move in all of stardom is the Kishikasai. So, uh, yeah, I see a lot of people were complaining that, you know, here's Azumi. That's a lot and a lot of people's top 10 list. I think she's like four on mine for all of wrestling. And there's so many more people watching this show and so many new people watching the show. We're all bragging. You've got to see this Azumi. And then it's like, oh, this is what we get. But um, they more than made up for it for the, for the rest of the show. You know, it's not like it was a bad match. It wasn't even a match. I didn't even give it a rating. But it got a big pop. It got a big pop. And here's something else, too. A lot of wrestlers get paid off the gate. So here's Azumi, a champion. You know, going into this show, they have over 2,000 people paid, and who knows how much on pay-per-view. Zumi got a probably nice little birthday present, birthday check for a birthday for doing really next to nothing. So, uh, and again, I talked about how Zumi needs challenges for the high-speed division. And I think Saki made mention that she wants to go for the high-speed belt. So I think that's where you'll see Zumi get her win back. Um, and it's a match that I that would definitely like to see. Saki versus Zumi, high-speed cradles back and forth. Um, eventually, Saki wind up winning here. Okay, we move on to match number nine. Koguma coming in 12 points, going up against the former champion, Yutami Aishista. 14 points as well. I have Yutami as my Red Stars block uh, winner. And all, all she really needed to do was pretty much get a win here. And she would go on forward, considering the fact that she would have the tiebreaker over Sherry. Um, oh, wait, then, the, then we had the Micah Himika as well. So that was a whole other thing. Uh, and she had the tiebreaker over Tam. So if Yutami gets a win here, Really comes down to Mike and Himika, but um, obviously that did not go as planned. Uh, Yutami hits a Samoan drop early on and then starts mocking the bear. Boy, Yutami mocking Tam, mocking the bear. All of a sudden, Yutami is not only the red queen, but now she's like the queen of comedy. Uh, Koguma uses a sunset flip drop kick uh, that sends the red queen to the floor. Uh, as the high-speed genius winds up hitting a dive, Koguma winds up hitting the Koguma cutter off the top row for two. Koguma hits two German suplexes. She tries for a third, but then Yutami goes all King's Road. You know, we talked about Antonio Noki fighting spirit. On the other side, it was all Japan, all King's Road here from Yutami at the end. She hits a just a disgusting Masawa-style German suplex. And then as Koguma comes up, she gets hit with a Stan Hansen lariat. Um, a lot of people are saying Koguma was a little underwhelming in this tournament, considering the fact how consistent she's been all year. And I understand that, but this was Koguma's, might have been one of her best matches all year. This was great. Um, she eats that sick lariat. Yutami goes to put Kogamo away with the hijack bomb, but she uh, gets countered into a brutal cold red. Uh, again, you want to talk about uh, King All Japan 90s, King's Road. That was a crazy bump that uh, Yutami took on the back of her neck there. And just a perfect cradle. And she gets an upset win for three count, uh, four stars. This match was just nonstop action, great psychology. I thought Koguma did a great job wrapping up her tournament here as she finishes with the same points as Yutami, 14. But if we're being honest about it, she wins the tiebreaker. So Koguma winds up finishing in this tournament ahead of the 2020 winner. Um, okay, moving on. Match number 10. Saki from, uh, oh, and then uh, not to, uh, we have a Grim Reaper that comes out, attacks Yutami, 
Turns out it's uh, Natsuko Tora from Oedo Tai. She had her last match was 16 months ago. Blew out her knee against Utami. So I that looks like where it's going. Tora's coming back for revenge on Utami. Um, so this this way it'll give Utami something to do between now and either the end of the year or the beginning of next year. And that match I reviewed it for the White Belt and Red Belt tier Patreon members. I didn't give it a rating because obviously Tora got in here. But that match is really going along really, really strong. So interesting to see... Uh, how Tora is going to be. I believe she's coming back in Tag League first, so that'll be a good way to uh, get the ring rust off. But obviously, that's where they're going. They're going to go to a big Utami Tora match, and then hopefully that leads to Utami versus Momo, as we've been waiting 10 months for that match. Um, we go to the Battle of Cosmic Angels. Saki coming up 10 points, taking on Tam Nakano with 14 points. Um, Tam hits a running uh, rope boot, uh, rope knee shot for two. That sends Saki to the outside. Uh, two of them wind up going back and forth. Uh, Tam goes to the top rope. Saki hits the superplex, but Tam fires up with a spin kick. And then Saki fires up with the Mijinoku driver. Saki hits the pump handle, uh, the pump handle power bomb. And the, the way she does that with a thud is just fantastic. She goes for the uh, bomb scare, double knee drop from the top rope, misses. Tam hits a violent shooting. And then the two of them have a forearm fest in the middle of the ring. Tam escapes the Wild Buster and hits a pair of kicks. And then not one, not two, not three, not four, but five violent shootings. Has her stablemate on the ropes. And then Tam puts Saki away with the violent screwdriver. Three and three-fourth stars. Uh, and that will take Tam up to 16 points. So depending on the outcome of what will happen, these next two matches, how many tiebreakers we're going to get and whatnot. Uh, obviously, Shiri has the tiebreaker advantage over Tam um, going into the uh, with the main event of the Red Stars block. So a match that a lot of people were looking forward to, the first ever singles match between one of my favorite tag teams in all of wrestling, Micah, 14 points, Himika, 14 points. Starts out with a quick shoulder tackles back and forth. Um, Micah winds up slowing Himika down by locking the rear naked choke. They wind up going to the floor, and these two just throw some stiff and brutal forearms onto each other. I hope they buy each other steak and a beer, as we all know that uh, Micah is a big drinker after this one, because they were really laying into each other. They wind up trading standing suplexes and belly-to-back suplexes on the floor. So many lariats. So many lariats. Uh, Himika hits the JP Coaster for two. Himika... For some reason, go to the top rope. I'm like, well, I know what this is setting up for, but what's the psychology? Why are you going to the top rope? What was Himika going to hit, a 450? Uh, she gets cut off. Brutal headbutt exchange onto the two. And then Micah hits the stalling superplex, C.W. Anderson style, onto Himika. What a great spot. Michael fire, follows up with a big lariat for two. Himika fires back, hits the Rainmaker uh, here. As we get a double down, as the crowd is really invested in this match. Micah comes back with the Buzz Sawyer Power Slam. And then it's the uh, the, the sit-out power slam for two. Uh, Himika escapes the uh, second superplex, and she flips out and hits the concussion bomb. And then she uh, she comes off the ropes, going for a clothesline. Micah hits a desperation Mijinoku driver. Eventually, when she goes for the pinfall, because she gave up too much time, only gets two. Two of them go back and forth, and they wind up dropping each other with brutal forearms. A lot of people thought this was going to the time limit drop. Uh, this was smart to do something a little bit different. Because we already had a double count out in this show. We already had a time limit draw in this show. So we get a double KO. I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Four and three-fourth stars. We move on to the... And they both finish with 15 points. So pending on the result of the main event. So we have Sherry, the World of Stardom champion, going in with 14 points. Taking on Risa Sarah, coming in with 13 points. 
Uh, this was a rematch from their World of Stardom Championship match just a few months ago at uh, Flashing Champions. I believe it was Flashing Champions. Anywho, um, obviously this is not for the World of Stardom Championship. Sherry goes right to the ground game. Um, Risa does a good job hanging with her. Uh, Risa winds up getting hold of Sherry's legs, hits the giant swing, and then sets up Sherry for the Vader bomb double knees, but she misses, and then Sherry takes full advantage. Full fighting spirit on display as these two just wind up kicking the crap out of each other, stomping each other on the heads, kicking each other in the face, kicking each other in the midsection, just brutal strikes back and forth. And then they wind up, after they, they get sick of that, they wind up throwing each other with some brutal suplexes. Um, eventually, Risa Sarah gets the advantage. She hits an air raid crash and some big, big kicks. And she locks in a rear naked choke onto Shiri as Shiri tries to get out. Um, Risa Sarah, she doesn't stay at the party too long as she switches that into the sit-out DVD for two count. And then she follows up with the diving double knees. Again, she's won so many matches in this tournament with it. Really good falsy there. Sherry winds up kicking out. Sherry finds an opening, locks in the double wrist lock. This was like my favorite part of the match. Double wrist lock. And then she transitions to the straight arm bar. And as Risa Sarah is trying to get out of the straight arm bar, uh, Sherry transitions in the triangle choke. I thought that was great. Um, as soon as Risa gets to the ropes, the champ stays aggressive and pulls her off. She gets a bunch of Muay Thai knees. And then back into the arm bar she goes. Risa is so close to tapping. Uh, she winds up shifting her weight. It looked like she was trying to pick her up for an air raid crash, but kind of collapsed. So I wasn't sure if she was going for the air raid crash or she was just trying to shift her weight. Regardless, um, a little hiccup there. But she winds up holding the champion down for the win. I love that finish. As soon as Risa Sarah, uh, you know, as uh, soon as uh, Risa hits the double knees, almost gets the win. Sherry finally finds an opening, uses all of her submissions. And it looked like Risa was going to tap out, sending Sherry to the finals. I really thought that's where they were going. I bit so hard on it. And eventually, all it takes is three seconds, and she gets the cradle win there. I like this match. I might be in the minority. I like this match better than the championship match, just because you kind of didn't know which way they were going to go with this. I had this four and a half stars. Absolutely love this. Okay, folks, I know we're running long, but uh, it's like a lot to review. Final match, blue block winner, Julia, versus the red block winner, Tam Nakano. A lot of people had this predicted as the uh, the finish. I think in our contest, I think a lot of people, the majority of people had this uh, as the finish or as the finals. So I will, um, again, sometime probably in the next few days, I will go through the all the Patreon, the lovely Patreon listeners, just to see who had this one and then who had for the most points. And then I'll probably announce in a few days who will get the... Um, the lithograph, uh, the copy lithograph with uh, Natsupoi, Mirai, Hazuki, and uh, Koguma on it. Um, again, again, it was predictable, but very, like, very much this is the way they needed to go. Like, I, the way I was, the way that I kind of brought this up to everybody, longtime wrestling fans. In the beginning of 1998, everybody knew that Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be, was going to win the Royal Rumble and beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Regardless of Shawn's back injury, that's just the way they needed to go to further the company. Um so this is kind of the way that they need to go here. First of all, how about the, speaking of WrestleMania, these WrestleMania-style entrances where they opened up the middle of that giant Titantron and both ladies came down uh, off a podium. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, no time is wasted between these two rivals is Julia. Backdrop drivers Tam right off the get-go. Tam fires up, hits Julia with a brutal spin kick. Uh, if you have listened to the Julia Wonder of Stardom Championship reign, that spin kick has cut Julia open on more than one occasion. 
Julia hits a running Yakuza kick and locks in the Bianca as Julia goes after Tam's bad arm that's all wrapped up. Tam hits the running knee onto the ropes and a big dive to the outside. Tam hits a winds up hitting a top rope, a second rope tiger suplex. That was just brutal. That was just brutal. Tam goes back to the top rope. It gets cut off with Julia's uh, fantastic top rope butterfly suplex. Um, Tam rebounds with the tiger driver. Again, spirit of Antonio Noki was definitely felt in this building. Lots of fighting spirit here. This crowd is absolutely electric. We're, th- we're 13 matches in over four hours in the show. And this crowd is going nuts. We have a stalemate as the two traded the seated Arisa Hoshinki style kicks back and forth. Julia winds up locking in a knee bar. And while she's locking the knee bar, she starts kicking Tam's face. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And then Tam winds up kicking back. Tam gets to the ropes. Uh, the two of them trading blows on the outside. Julia tries the glorious driver on the apron. The two of them spill out to the floor. Don't know if that was supposed to happen, but to me, it added to the match. Uh, eventually, Julia takes Tam up to the uh, up to the ramp. Two of them go back and forth. Julia hits a violent, or excuse me, Tam hits a violent shooting on the outside. Um, and then the two of them, uh, excuse me, she hits a violent shooting on the outside, and then they go to the ramp. And then uh, Tam winds up hitting a DDT. Uh, just like a reverse DDT as she was going for the Glorious Driver, very much like she did at the Budokan Hall, where Julia was, went for the Glorious Driver and Tam hits the reverse DDT. She hits this one on top of the ramp. I thought that was a great uh, callback to their match uh, last year back in March. And then a lot of people channeling the Great Muda. The Great Muda, a lot of times back in the day at the Tokyo Dome, would do that full sprint on the ramp. That's what Tam does as she does like a 50-yard dash into the violent shooting. I thought that was great. Um Tam goes to pick Julia up, but Julia reverses at the DDT on the ramp. Uh, back they go, uh, back to the ring they go as they hit some brutal, brutal slaps. I mean, just really just laying into each other. Again, very re- reminiscent to their legendary Budokan Hall match last year. And then followed up by some sick, sick headbutts. Julia hits a palm pan. I mean, this work just goes next level. This work goes all New Japan. This work goes all Kings Road. It goes all Tam Road. It goes all Julia Road. It goes all, all fighting spirit here. Julia hits a pump handle backdrop driver. I mean, she dropped it right on her neck. Only gets a one count. Tam comes back with tiger suplex. Only gets a one count. Tam picks Julia up and just pile drives Julia with her own hold. The glorious driver for one. Julia fires up. She hits the most disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I have her not a violent screwdriver. This is like a Steiner screwdriver. I mean, this is just brutal. Tam kicks out at one. Julia hit follows up. She hits the glorious driver for two. And then quickly picks Tam up and just pile drivers poor Tam's head into the mat with a just disgusting Northern Lights bomb for three. I mean, this is easily five stars. If you want to break the Meltzer rating on it because of just how important this match was, you sure can. You can give it five and a quarter stars. This was absolutely just fantastic. I said last year, my the finals of last year's uh, with Sherry and Momo. Was just because of the brutality and just how important the match was, was my favorite five-star match ever. This one is close, too. I mean, I really need to sit down and really write this stuff out. But this was just great, you know, from start to finish, just a sense of urgency. Both these ladies had some really had really good matches and really brutal matches beforehand. And just for that finish, Tiger Suplex for one, uh, Tiger Driver for one, the violent, and then they're training each other's finishers. And then Julia finally hitting the glorious driver that she tried to hit on the apron. She tried to hit in the ring. She tried to hit on the ramp, just couldn't do it. She finally hits it here. And then when Tam kicks out, instead of getting frustrated, she goes back to the Northern Lights Bomb, a move that she uses very sparingly. And it's one of the most disgusting Northern Lights Bomb I've ever seen. She gets the three count. And Julia wins the five-star 
Not much of a surprise, but just a phenomenal show. Again, this is where they absolutely need to go. You know, over 200, you, this company's grown over 200% in revenue and ticket, sale, ticket sales and revenue in the last year or so. So it's like, how do you keep that train up? I mean, this Julia, she's just such a star. I and mean, there's so many stars in this company, but she's the next big thing. She really, really is. Um, not only that, uh, and I'll go through this quickly. If Ju Now, Julia says that at the end of the year, she at Dream Kingdom, she wants to wrestle and beat Sherry for the red belt. That's obviously where, we're, where they're going. We got about two and a half months, well, closer to three months till we get there. I'm not sure if Julia's going to be like defending the briefcase, kind of like how Sherry did or kind of how like New Japan does from time to time. Uh, on the road to the big final show, uh, Sherry's going to be having some title matches, uh, obviously, to get there. But that's obviously the match they want to go with. And um, if Julia has to defend the briefcase or the, uh, you know, the crown of the robe or whatever, or after she wins the belt, because I think it's just an absolute lock. You have to put the belt on Julia. I mean, Sherry's having an all-time reign, but I think you don't want to wear it out too long. You know, you want to leave the party at the right time. Because um, you can always go back and put the belt on Sherry. Just as they can always go back and put the belt on Yutami right? or Mayu. Um, just because I don't think they wore out their title reigns. But I think, you know, you already have ready-made matches with Julia. Just from this tournament. You know, she lost to Mirai. Who doesn't want to see Julia versus Mirai? She lost to Suzuki. Who doesn't want to see that match? She drew with Mayu. She drew with Suzu Suzuki. Uh, and she lost to Momo. So you already have five matches right there. Whether you do it on the road to Dream Queendom, or you do it after Julie wins the Red Belt. You have five ready-made matches there. Not only that, you can always build Tam back up, and you can always build Starlight Kid back up, because those are two matches that I'm sure everybody, you know, definitely wants to see. And then obviously, uh, Risa Sarah as well. You know, she's in the same uh, same clan as Suzu Suzuki. So that's a match you can go to. I mean, you already have, between now and the end of next spring, seven or eight really good Julia singles matches. So... Folks, I'm going to put a pin in it. Like I said, I'm we're about an hour 20 here. Um, before I put a pin in it, uh, again, this is probably, thank Sean, Sean's the man. Sean, thank you so much for just getting these shows up. This, again, I'm recording this Saturday. Uh, I'm going to upload this. This will be in your feeds probably Sunday or Monday. You are still going to get a Friday show. Friday's show will be a complete review of the five-star Grand Prix. I'm going to be going through everybody that was in the tournament and giving them a letter grade from an A-plus to an F-minus. I'll be going through uh, my five favorite shows, my 10 favorite matches, and my 10 favorite performers. And here's the surprise, folks. I will not be doing this alone. I will be having a special guest. I will not you let the speculation begin. Um, I will not tell you who the special guest is. It's not Mayu Iwatani or Rasio Gawa. So it's not <laughs> anybody huge, but it's somebody that I'm sure that you find folks the Scar Stardom cast will absolutely love and enjoy. Speaking of love and joy, I love and enjoy each and every one of you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the all the uh, all the podcasts that are coming your way. It seems that everybody just seems to be enjoying all the content that I'm putting out. Um, so yeah, I've talked way way too long. I'm just going to end the show. Thank you, everybody, so, so much. Thanks for all the comments. Uh, you know, for, Again, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. What were your favorite matches? What did you think of the show? To me, this is the best wrestling show I've seen all year, and I've seen a lot of them. Um, you know, Let me know what matches you guys enjoyed. Don't let me know what matches that you thought were nobody's really talking about that you thought that was fantastic. You know, Hit me up, Matt Turner, OF, 
on the Instagram and or the Twitter are the two best ways to get a hold of me. But yeah, that's about it for me, folks. Thank you all so much. I'm really looking forward to dropping another podcast that will be in your feeds on Friday. Complete five-star review the year 2022. Um, Yeah, but that's it, guys. And just remember, because this isn't just my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all in this together because everybody's different. Everybody's special. Have yourself a great day, guys. Bye-bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.